0: Hey Talking Church, excited to share a unique episode because last week I was at General Council and we actually recorded a couple episodes. Next week we'll be hearing from Pastor Mike Burnett from Clarksville, Tennessee. He had the fastest growing church in America and share some tips of how we can avoid not taking risks as we grow larger, but also understand what risks are too far and then two weeks from now, we're going to hear from Dr. or Dr. Alan Tennyson's mom, Martha Tennyson. And so we've had Dr. Allen on the podcast before, but his mm-hmm. mom is amazing. She spoke at our Seek Week, and it was incredible. And I'm going to say, I was at General Counsel, and Columbus is a pretty cool city. It. I was not sure about it. I'd never been before, but got to play golf when I was there. And there's some great golf and ate at a restaurant, Brassica and Guildhouse. And just in the city, was super cool. So if you're from that area, shout out to you, but shout out to Columbus for hosting a great general council. Uh, But I want to share those next week. This week, I want to share a teaching from one of our elders from all staff this last month. And it was so profound right after he finished, I knew that I was going to share this on the podcast and I texted him and asked him his permission to do so. But he talked about the intimacy that we need to have with the Lord and he was talking to our staff. And so as church leaders, I know this is something that's so relevant to us. So enjoy this teaching. It's not an interview. It's just a teaching from one of our elders, Thomas Paniker.
1: What I'm about to share today is a beautiful discourse between Jesus Christ and Peter. All of us have read this umpteen number of times, but please walk with me. Don't, don't lose the train of thought because I'll, I'll, I'll get somewhere, right? So, so John 21, verses 15 to 17, when they had finished breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. You know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. We have read this hundreds of times. Hundreds of times. But I want you to walk with me. This is Peter who jumped out of the boat. This is Peter who almost reprimanded Jesus when he heard Jesus was going to go on the cross, and Jesus had to tell him, get behind me, Satan. This was Peter who forsook Jesus three times. And now this is an intimate conversation between Jesus and Peter. What blows my mind is this. If there is a passing of baton from Jesus to Peter, this is the biggest thing someone can pass from one person to another. The burden to share the gospel, the burden to get the name of Jesus Christ across the entire world that is being passed on from Christ himself to a disciple The heavens are watching. The angels are watching. Jesus is just bringing the disciples, not talking anything, giving them an incredible breakfast that he himself figured out and cooked and gotten ready. To our knowledge, during the time of breakfast, he's not talking about anything. He's just forming a deeper connection with Peter. He's definitely not reprimanding Peter because he forsook him three times a little a few days ago. The breakfast is done and Jesus is beginning to have a conversation. When someone is ready to pass the baton to someone else, if it's a person like me, I think a thousand ways of how that can be done. And if someone would ask me, what, how would you structure it? How would you go with question one, question two, question three? The last thing I would do is ask the same question three times. I will never do that because I think it's just a waste of time. It is just the same concepts repeated three times. Well, the the guy already understood the first time you asked him the question. You're asking him the second time, then you're asking him the same time, which is pretty much the same first question. But this leads me to one knowledge, one piece of information. This is all Jesus cared. This is the only qualification Jesus wanted before he passed the baton. He didn't want to know his faith level. He didn't want to know his sincerity. He didn't want to know how long he would pray. He didn't want to know what his faith level was. He didn't want to know how he's going to increase his faith. If it's here, if it's a two out of ten, how are you going to go to eight out of ten because it's a great responsibility, none of which is being discussed. The same thing is being asked three different times. What encourages me more are the word choices that Jesus used and the word choices that Peter used. By the time you translate things from Greek to English, a lot is lost. Sometimes we lose a ton of what's going on when we read things in English. The word love in this context is used as agape and filio, right? Agape, the undeniable, the unselfish, the unrestrained love with which God loves us and what God is expecting us to love Him back. That's the agape love. Filio is like Philadelphia. It's brotherly love. I love you with a brotherly love, and you love me back with a brotherly love. So when Jesus is starting a conversation with Peter, he's saying, Peter, do you love me, the agape love? Peter responds, Jesus, I love you with the phileo love. Jesus is asking again, Peter, do you love me with an agape love? Peter responds again, Lord, you know that I love you with a phileo love. Now it's the third time. In the third time, Jesus now is stepping it down. Later in this, in this, in this little conversation I'm having with you, I will bring it back up. For now, Jesus is stepping it down. He's saying, Peter, do you love me with a phileo love? And Peter says, Lord, you know that I love you with a filial love. God, ca- Christ catches Peter at a very vulnerable time in his life. Even though he was at the, at, at, at the peak where he jumps off the board, he reprimands Jesus Christ, he does all that thing. He comes to a point which is so low where he had forsaken Jesus three times, the third time in front of a young girl. So Peter was not in a mood to brag. Peter was so raw, and that's why Peter said, God, I can only love you with a brotherly love. That's all I am capable of. I understand your expectation is godly love. I I understand your expectation is agape love. But what I'm able to offer you at this stage is the filial love. And he comes back. Jesus steps it down and they connect. How can we thank a God who meets us where we are and who steps down constantly to meet us where we are? If there's one thing I want to tell you guys, it's this. This is the only prerequisite Christ had before he gave him the greatest commission. Go feed my sheep. Go tend my lamb. I pray that we will not overcomplicate it. I pray that when we get up from our bed, we will fall on our knees and have that intimate time with God that will drive the rest of the day. I pray that we will not pick our phone and be lost in emails and texts. I pray that we will have that intimate time with God, which is the only thing He's asking of us to do before He says, go take care of my sheep. Because He knows that from that, everything will follow. in Matthew 22:37 37, 37 38 39 when the pharisees are ch- when they're challenging Jesus Christ with the new testament and with the old testament when Jesus said hey let, let me summarize the entire old testament to you in two sentences what does he choose 37 love the lord With all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, this is the first commandment. And the second, love your neighbor as yourself. Guys, first has to come first. Do not try to put the second as first and the first as second. It does not work. Don't even try. Don't even try. You concentrate, you put passion on your love for your God. You put passion into implicit worship. You put passion into those moments where you shut your office door, you fall on your knees, you blast worship music, and you cry like a baby. Concentrate on those moments and let the Lord show you how you gotta wo- how you got to work with people, how you got to love people. Do not put people first. Put God first. I'm gonna pick two characters from the Bible. Very intentionally, I'm gonna pick an Old Testament character, and I'm gonna pick a New Testament character. Because I wanna show you that there is a consistency of this pre-Christ and post-Christ, pre-Jesus on the cross and post-Jesus on the cross. The consistency of loving God first and worshiping Him first. Let's pick Moses, and New Testament, we're going to pick Paul. These are two incredible leaders, a leader who bought almost 2, 2.4 million people across a 40-year journey from one place to another place, a church, think about it, as a church with about 2.4 million members, and he's shepherding them through a 40-year journey Moving them from one place to another place. Where does his journey start? At the burning bush. His journey starts at the burning bush. That's where he has an incredible intimate moment with God which started his entire ministry very soon we'll read verses where we are seeing Moses is is, is having a dialogue with God Moses is talking to God as though he knows God Moses is reading the mind of God Moses is actually conversing with God as a friend would converse to another friend Moses is is in those moments where he's trying to quieten the heart of God, which is now in a very unrestful mode. This is a kind of relationship that you can't even fathom because it started where God himself said, Moses, this is me, God. Because that's where it started. Let's read in Exodus 3, one beautiful thing about preaching to the leaders of the church is you guys don't need any context. You don't need... You get it, right? Let's get to the point, right? Don't tell me who Moses is. So, verse 4. When the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see, God called him out of the bush, Moses, Moses, and he said, here I am. The start of this relationship. Verse 6. Now this is God introducing himself to Moses. God exposing himself. God just unraveling himself in front of Moses. Where Moses gets to see the very heart of God. He says, I am the God of your father. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face for he was afraid to look at God. I mean... God was just there. He was just there. My prayer for all of you is this, that you will have moments like this because this is where it needs to start. This is where it needs to start. Where you hide your face because the presence of God is so strong where your knees will buckle down because you can't stand anymore, where you will lay prostrate on the ground because you have no energy even to kneel. And the moment he has that interaction with God, God tells Moses, you know, Moses, I have my people I've seen their pain. I've seen their suffering. Now I'm giving to give you, I'm charging you to bring them out of slavery into freedom, into a land where it flows milk and honey. You know the story. And the specific verse there is seven. God said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people. Catch those two words. My people. Fast forward 29 chapters. We are in Exodus 32. What happens in Exodus 32? Again, Moses is having this incredible time with God. The people down below, what are they doing? They're worshiping a false god that they created. God is absolutely frustrated with that situation. And then in 32.7, in, 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 in what does the Lord say? The Lord said to Moses, go down for your people. You see the big difference? This was God's people. Now God is telling Moses, now this is your people. You go deal with them because I am ready to burn them down. Literally, he said, I am ready to burn them down and I will make you a a, a big nation. Verse 10. Now therefore, let me alone that my wrath may burn hot against them that I may consume them in order that I may make a great nation out of you. Look at what Moses is ready to tell in verse 11. That just blows my mind. It says, but Moses implored the Lord his God and said, Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your people, whom you have bought out of the land of Egypt with great power, with a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians say, with evil intent did he bring them out to kill them in the mountains? And to consume them from the face of the earth. Turn from your burning anger and relent from your disaster against your people. God is telling, Mo- God first told Moses, It's my people. God's telling Moses, It's your people. Moses is telling God, God, it's your people. You see that? Do we have that relationship with God? When you're interceding for someone, when you're praying for someone, is that prayer a dialogue between you and God where you're reminding God, God, these are your people. If you don't help them, who is going to help them? If you don't set them free, Who is going to set them free? If you don't reconcile this husband with this wife, who is going to reconcile them? If you don't heal this young lady, who is going to heal this young lady? This level of intercession that you and I need to have, how can it come but for an intimate relationship with God that Moses had? We can have the best ideas. We could have the best programs. And just like Pastor Rob said, I mean, our delivery on a Sunday morning or a Saturday evening could be impeccable. The lighting would be picture perfect. But if there's no God, if there's no prayer where we pray when the worship is going on, when there's no prayer, when the word is going on, how is the Lord going to work? Let's shift to the second character, right? Paul. Who doesn't know? Who doesn't know Paul? The beauty of Paul is Again, look at the moment that he first started a relationship with Jesus Christ. Paul on his way to Damascus. Bright light thrown to the ground, having an incredible relationship, an incredible encounter with Christ, and what's happening to Paul? He's asking, who are you? He can sense that there is a strong presence, and he has no idea what the strength or the strong presence is and who it is. And Jesus is introducing himself by saying, Paul, this is me, Jesus. Jesus. Who you are persecuting. And that's how Paul starts his journey. There's one verse, Romans 9 1 through 3, where he says, I'm speaking the truth. In Christ, I'm not lying. My conscience bears me witness in the Holy Spirit. I have great sorrow. Don't lose me, guys. I have great sorrow, unceasing anguish in my heart. What is he about to say now? For I could wish that I myself were accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, my kinsmen according to flesh. I wish I myself were accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers. Where is Paul? Where are we? Moses, when he goes back to the mountain to have another dialogue with God, Moses uses the words where he says, God, even if you have to blot my name out of the book of life, do it, but save the people. I I don't think there's a single person in this room, including myself, who can say that. Right? I wouldn't say that, being very open with you guys. Throw me in hell, but take the guy to heaven. I'm not going to say that. (laughs) But Moses says that. And what is Paul saying? I wish I was cursed. There needs to be only one person who is cursed. That's Jesus Christ. There needs to be only one person who was supposed to be separated from God for a moment when he became sin. That was the separation of God the Son from God the Father. We don't need Paul to be accursed. We don't need Paul to be separated. But he is willing He is willing to be cursed. He is willing to be separated for the sake of his people. I mean, how do we get this passion? How do we get this drive? How do we get this focus? But for your time with God in the Holy Spirit. This is not something that a church can create in you. This is not a program that we in River Valley can create and say, go, take this. It, we cannot. We simply cannot. Only God can do. I love the way Pastor Rob ended that time of worship. God, you have to do that only you can do. We cannot do so many things. Let me try to land this plane somewhere. You know, Pastor Rob talked about him talking to me about considering being a part of the elder process, the selection process, right? So obviously when he was sharing that, you know, you, you know when, when you hear a piece of information, your mind just kind of quickly races back and forth, back and forth, right? When you get a, a piece of information that you're trying to process. Just watch how the Lord worked that day. The night before, knowing that he and Becca are going to come and have breakfast with us, we are driving Pilate now to hybe to pick up some things. So we are right by this church and as always, I just look and see the River Valley church board and I see the church, but this time the Lord said, Thomas, I have knit your heart with the church. I had no idea what was gonna happen 12 hours from that point. I had never heard that the 10 years I was already a part of the church Right, ten years. I walk through this door. I go out through that door. I walk through this door. I walk out through that door. Ten years, and now he chooses to say, "I have knit your heart with this church." A month prior to that, after the Sunday nine or nine thirty service, we all walked out, and I, I forgot something, and I walked back in through those doors right? Pastor Rob is walking to that door. I'm walking from the door to the seat where I thought I left something, which car keys, you get the point, right? There's a, there's a, there's a theme here. Uh, he's walking, I'm walking. We hug each other. And the only statement that comes out of my mouth is, pastor, I love you. And the only word that comes out of his mouth is, I know. He goes his way. I go to look for what I lost. You see what the Lord's doing? These are moments that you and I cannot create. This is what he was standing here and talking about. Lord, you got to do what only you can do. This is where your time with God is going to let you pray like Paul prays. This is what's going to get you to pray like Moses prayed. No, I am going to land this plane. Let's go to the very last verse I want to share about. Oh, oh you know what? You know, one more, one more, one more. Uh, let's go to let's go to Hebrews chapter eleven, verse sixteen. I love this. Uh, sixteen, Hebrews eleven sixteen, right somewhere. You all know this verse again, right? And without faith, it is impossible to please God. But anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists and is a rewarder of those who earnestly seek Him. Again. We have read this a hundred times. Now, I was having a a good conversation with Jamer over breakfast not too long ago, and somehow our conversation went into uh, leading indicators and lagging indicators, like profound management stuff. I don't know how we got there. Uh, And we were going back and forth, hey, Jamer, what's your interpretation of what's leading versus lagging indicator? And Jamer gave his explanation. I gave my explanation. And we had a good breakfast, and we all went our merry way. I don't know what happened in that breakfast. But what comes first, what comes second? Without faith, it is impossible to please God. What comes first, what comes second? Okay. By default, faith comes first, and then we please God. But how does the author finish that sentence? He finishes that sentence by saying, who earnestly seek him. If I'm earnestly seeking a relationship with my brother here, I'm going to get to know him. He's going to get to know me. The more the time I spend with him, the more I'm going to know. This is like Linda reading my mind, my wife reading my mind. She can see me from a mile away. She knows exactly what's going to come out of my mouth because we have lived together for 25 years. When I'm earnestly seeking somebody, when I'm earnestly building that relationship with someone, I'm innately getting into a point where I'm pleasing that person. When I'm pleasing somebody, I'm getting to know that person. I'm getting to know the heart of God. When I'm getting to know the heart of God, I'm trying to do things that will innately please Him. Most of the evenings, Linda comes back from work. I come back from work. There's a couch that she lies, and she lies in the couch, and I rub her feet, not every day, but, you know, on average, once or twice a week. She loves it. Somehow, I love it, too. we That's what she likes, and I like doing it. Now, bringing it into the heart of God, when you know God so intimately, you know what His desire is. So to every campus pastor sitting here, you need to know what God's desire is for your campus. You need to know that crystal clear. And you will only get it when you have that intimate relationship with God. When you know that crystal clear, that's going to give you a drive through faith. Because now it is not Pastor Zeus' will, it is God's will. So, from that intimate relationship that he has, he gets to know what the Lord wants to do with the Shakupi campus. And now he is praying things into existence that doesn't even exist. So, faith being triggered by that intimate relationship that he has with God, where God gets to unload what he wants to do in Shakopee, where he gets that, it's not even there. It's not even there. But now he gets to speak it into existence because that is God's will, an infinite God's will. So, faith could also be a lagging indicator where the leading indicator is your relationship with God, your time that you spend with God, where you earnestly seek Him. Guys, there is only so much that an earthly person like Pastor Rob can do. he, He has only 24 hours. He doesn't get to have 25 hours in a day. He does not. If our church has to grow twice of what He is in the next five to seven years... There is no way everything is going to channel through him. It's physically impossible. The only way we can do that is when we are connected to God and we let the Lord lead him and we are under his leadership and then we do what the Lord is asking us to do. Does that make sense? I talked about a relationship I have with him. Do you, know, do you know how I capitalize the relationship? The, everything that God wants me to pray for Him, I get to see in weeks, if not months, including sermon topics. Six months ago, He said, you know, I want the church to know about suffering and which better book than Peter. And what is He speaking on now? I never told Him about it. I don't have to tell everything, but I get to tell him because that's what he wants. I'm asking you to step up the game. I'm asking you to have that incredible relationship with God so that he can lighten his load by we take that load and give it to God. The last verse. I'm serious, guys. This is the last verse. Uh, So whoever is doing the worst thing, if you can go back to Romans chapter 5, verses 3 and 5, a room of this size, inevitably there'll be people who are suffering, right? I'm sure there are people in this room who are going through pain. But I want to encourage you with this and I want to pray with you. Romans 5, 3-5. to Not only that, but we rejoice in our suffering, knowing that suffering produces endurance, endurance character, character hope. Hope does not put us to shame because... God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. When you are in a season of suffering, when you are in a season of pain, you are giving opportunity to the Holy Spirit to pour the love of God into your heart. Not to give it drop by drop by drop by drop, but to pour the love of God into your heart. And now, do you know what the Greek word of love here is? It's agape. Remember where we started? Agape phileo, agape phileo, phileo, phileo. Jesus knew that he cannot push Peter because the Holy Spirit had not come yet, right? That happens in the book of Acts, which is after the book of Matthew and John, for sure. Jesus knew that the Spirit of God had to come and He had to take us through these seasons of suffering which all of us will go through so that the Holy Spirit can not just give drop by drop but pour agape love, not filial love, But agape love. As I spoke to the campus pastors, I want to speak to every worship leader sitting here. Every worship leader. If you don't have an outpouring of agape love flowing from your heart, that's going to terribly limit your ability to lead us in worship. When you're standing here and worshiping, worship leaders, you think it is the quality of your voice. You think it is the quality of all the instruments that's playing in perfect harmony. But I can tell you, that does play a role, but it's not the role. It's the Spirit of God. When we see you, I mean, as much as I made fun of Ben, I see the Spirit flowing through him. I can see him getting so excited by God and his presence in worship that he cannot contain. He has to go back and do some kicks. I mean, I get it. I get it. His body cannot contain it. He has to expel it. Right? But that encourages me. Am I going to do it? No, but at least someone else, let them go do it, right? we get to see you worship, right? We get to see you enjoy the presence of God. Then we get get to go to our homes and emulate what we just saw. So I want to take that burden off your heart. And I just want to tell you this. Let the Spirit of God pour into your hearts agape love stretch your hands and let the spirit of God fill you with an unconditional godly love that Christ wanted Peter to have where we get to have in tons in tons let's pray guys Loving Father, we believe that you have spoken to us. It is a call to intimacy, it is a call to intimacy. Draw us close to you, Lord God. Draw us close to you.
0: Amen. Amen. It's a great reminder for us that we would be intimate with the Lord, that we draw near to Him as He draws near to us. And I love the teaching that Thomas gave and the encouragement for us to know God deeper know more and so I hope that you're encouraged through his message and prayer over us that we would seek God more and that it wouldn't always just be about the practical strategies and the new things that we can do although those are fun and important that we would seek God in a greater way and I hope you're reminded of that today and until next time we'll see you back next week on Talking Church.